everyone. Welcome to another episode of Black Boy Joy Podcast. Uh, it's me here, Kieran, and and me, Ainsley. Okay, and today we have a guest with us. Uh, so, can welcome Kaius Fernanda. Uh, Kaius is a finance professional, MBA, and award-winning public speaker. And over the last seventeen years, he studied and worked for some of the mo- world's most successful individuals, businesses, and organisations. Uh, Kaius has used the wealth principles that he's learned over the years to complete, completely rewire his thinking about money and wealth. And he's determined to spread this way of thinking with the communities that need it the most. Uh, so a big warm welcome to you today, Chaos. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. And every time somebody says a award-winning public speaker, it puts a lot of pressure on me to actually oh, wow. say something that sounds you know, <laughs> worthwhile to listen to. Maybe I should take that out of my intro, but anyway. No, but it's true. If you won an award, like, yeah, like, let yeah. people know, let people know um, what energy you'll be bringing to every conversation. I right, agree. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good to be here, though. Thank you for the invitation. We really uh, together, like, in person, and these coronavirus, these COVID times have kind of um, really, ruined, really ruined those plans, so. Yeah. But you know what? I think the thing about it is, it's, it's charting the way forward, right? Because it, it, I think, broadens your horizons because you can bring on guests from pretty much anywhere in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm, yes. Um, and do it virtually. So hopefully it, it, it bodes well for your program that you can have people dial in from the US or Africa or Asia, you know, God knows where. So Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So tell us a bit about, um, about kind of like what it is that you do, kind of like more into um, the yeah. wealth speaking. The speaking? Well, whatever you want to start, really, it's up to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I should start with my, with my background and how it, how it is I've come to be in the UK. So I, I was born in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. uh, born and raised there, and uh, went to university in America for uh for four years worked in the u.s in chicago specifically for a couple of years um i got my dream job right out of university at least i thought it was my dream job which was to be a stockbroker or uh, uh, a trader on the floor of the stock exchange i wasn't actually trading i was helping actual traders (laughs) do their work and i realized very quickly that it wasn't for me um, and then ultimately um, had to go back to the Bahamas because September the 11th happened and a lot of conditions changed in the U.S. And so I found myself back home, uh, back home in my parents' house, which was humbling. But, <laughs> um, you know, I was glad I was glad I could go back, had some place to go back to. But um, what was happening with me at the time was that I, I graduated university with a degree in economics. I was working in finance. So on paper, I should have been great with my own money, but I was terrible. I was in debt to the tune of about $20,000. And I took that debt debt, debt with me when I went back home. Um, And it kicked off, I suppose, a series of events whereby I really had to reflect and become introspective about what I wanted for my life and why it was that I found myself in this cycle of really poor money management. And a, a, a lot of those feelings at the time were thoughts of failure and inadequacy and not necessarily feeling that I'd lived up to, to my potential, so to speak. At the same time, I was also very much grappling with my sexuality and coming out and coming to terms with my identity 
And it's only in retrospect that I realized that those things were very much related. And what I mean by that was because I didn't really see what my future looked like, I wasn't really paying close attention to my finances. Because if you think about it, your finances are very much a part of your future, right? If, mm-hmm. if you're somebody who is diligent about saving and um, you, know, you kind of have a future vision in mind, then the way you manage your money is aligned to that future vision. But because I really couldn't see what my whole life looked like, you know, I knew I was, I was okay, um, or excuse me, I was gonna be okay as far as my career was concerned because I was a good student and you know, I kind of had that going. Mm-hmm. But as far as me being a whole individual, I couldn't really see it. So um, I think that a lot of my behaviors were because I just didn't have a strong sense of self, or, you know, self-esteem and just feeling good about myself as a gay man. And so, um, you know, all those things were happening and I really decided, look, I need to take, I need to take charge of my personal finances and the way I approach money. And so I started to do a lot of reading uh, listening to um, individuals who were personal finance gurus. And it really changed my perspective about what I was worth. Not because I am particularly special, even though I think all of us are special, but um, it made me realize that every single person on this planet has access to abundance. And it started me thinking, you know, what could my life be like if I really allowed myself to dream and really pursue the things that I wanted to do. So um, that way of thinking, you know, I really got into kind of like meditation and, and, and affirmations around abundance and money and all these things. And it just led to a series of events whereby I decided I was going to quit my job, which everybody thought was just like a terrible idea because I had a good job at the time. Um, but I knew I needed to be somewhere else. I knew that I needed to be in a place that was a lot more expansive, not only physically, because, you know, the Bahamas is a small country, mm-hmm. but expansive in terms of the people, their mindset, what somebody like me could be allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I applied for an MBA and, and got accepted and, and got a scholarship and, you know, things just started to align and the planets mm-hmm. align. Mm-hmm. in a way that it's, it's, it's hard for me to describe because sometimes it sounds like it's not true, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, 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 it's true that like, I, I literally found enough money almost to the, to the dollar or the mm-hmm. pound, I should say, for mm-hmm. what I needed in terms of flying to the UK, get, you know, having tuition, having living money or like everything just kind of fit together like a jigsaw mm-hmm. puzzle. And um, yeah, so I came to the UK, finished my MBA, and then got a job um, in the city working for an investment bank. And, um, you know, it really seemed like things were going in the direction that I wanted them to go. Mm-hmm. And then it really sort of occurred to me, because I was still on this journey of discovering my identity um, as a professional, as a human being, you know, all of the various elements of who I am. And started to look around, around me in my organization at work, for example, and realized that there weren't very many people that looked like me, that had my background, that had my profile. And I, I would think to myself, like, gosh, why is it that people like us are not availing themselves of these opportunities, are not working in finance, understanding finance, or at the very least taking advantage of it in their personal lives? 
Mm-hmm. And it really made me think, you know what, okay, it's, this is not, it's not by accident that you are here. It's not by accident that you have been on this path, that you've seen the things that you've seen, that you've experienced the things that you have as, you know, a black gay man from the Caribbean and all the different things that make up who I am. Mm-hmm. Those things are not, a, not by accident. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it really just got me to thinking, how can I start something that allows me to share my personal journey and my experience with money, my experience with finance and understanding this whole system and really helping people to change their lives. Because you guys, I'm sure, or I assume, will have had experiences of people in your life who perhaps struggled, you know, with money. Um, and it just, it really influences so many elements of people's lives. And I just, and I, I oftentimes felt like, and still feel like black people especially um, have these ongoing challenges, you know, somebody perhaps mm-hmm. gets sick and they can't afford to pay for their, their healthcare. Maybe that's more of a, of a U.S. example. Um, but, you know, trying to buy a house and, and, and having all this debt and, you know, just all, all these things that seem to um, afflict maybe a strong word, but seem to be characteristics of our community. And I, I'm sure these things happen in other communities as well. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm concerned with, with us and, and how I can really help people to, to, to become a lot more aware of the power that they have in their hands to take, it, to take control of their, of their finances. Mm-hmm. And then that's Great. a long monologue. I'll listen to every word. Yeah. I think, um, so I'll probably, I should have said earlier that um, I first met you, Chaos, when um, we were at the second um, the second black boy, um, black men who brunch event. You were uh, one of the speakers there, and um, that is kind of when that's like the first time that I've ever been introduced to the idea of kind of like the way you think about yourself, or the way that you feel inside, and the way um, your like kind of like your self esteem and whatever whatever is going on with you really has an effect on the way you handle money and your thinking about it. And um, I remember when I was watching it, and like I did speak to myself, like, I've actually never thought about it this way before. Right. And it was like quite engaging at the same time. So um, definitely it was something that left a lasting impression on me, kind of. And I think if I remember correctly, you had like an example of like three separate people with their three yeah. Yeah, different <laughs> like, personalities and like how that affected them like, going forward, which was like um, quite engaging as well. Kind of like, how did you like, how, would, how did you kind of come up with that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. So um, I had these these three guys, these three um, hypothetical individuals, one of whom, um, you know, takes care of everybody. Um, the other guy, he is interested in looking after himself, mm-hmm. um, primarily, um, making sure that everything is perfect in life. And then the other one is just kind of living for the moment. Mm-hmm. I came up with these three characters through experience, people that I've met and my own life. Because I think in many ways I've been that individual um, at various stages of my life. But I, I wanted to, to, to give those three examples because I, I, I thought that they may have resonated with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, because I firmly believe that, you know, black gay men, just using that group as an example, we find ourselves in a situation where we are trying to compensate for all of the trauma and the issues that we've had to deal with, mm-hmm. if that's been our experience, because I realize that's not the case for every, every one mm-hmm. of us. 
but we do that in different ways. And that could be, you know, I need to take care of everybody around me so that they could feel like I'm worthwhile. Um, mm-hmm. I'm worthy of love or, um, because I've been told that I am, you know, all the terrible things that we're told, I need to work on myself and make sure that my body's perfect. My face is perfect. My job is perfect. My house is perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, you know, look, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to live my life to the fullest. So in, in response to the way we are socialized and society has dealt with us, um, you know, these types of character traits, I've noticed in myself and I've definitely seen it in other people. So I, I wanted to share that just to kind of validate my thinking and see if people actually connected with that, right? You know, yeah. do you see yourself in that? Have you, you know, do you know anybody who fits one of these profiles? Um, and that's really why. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm a mixture of B and C from what you described there. Uh, half living for the moment, half yeah. trying to sort of work on things to prove like your values to other people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can I can heavily identify with those two categories. That you've yeah. <laughs> How about you, know, you Anzali? You know, like when um, when someone's talking, like when you're talking, and you can feel kind of like the back of your neck burning because you know. It touched a nerve, eh? Yeah. Um, um, so I think I was a bit of the same. Yeah. I think with my money management is kind of, um, especially the last few years, it was kind of, I think, I'm not sure, but the C person. So um, before that, I was like, let me save my money. Let me try and build something up. But then when I had any adversity, I was like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. I didn't say that consciously, but that was in my action. Yeah. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to live my best life. I'm going to like do whatever I want to do and then deal with the consequences afterwards. Right. Because, like I didn't really deal with any consequences until like I opened my bank and for like negative funds. <laughs> 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 into, into that overdraft, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, guess what? I, I, I don't want anybody listening to this or any, you know, any of the gentlemen who were in the room, uh, ladies and gentlemen who were in the room that day to feel like, this is an accusation or any kind of judgment or anything like that, because I think we all go through it. And what I want to call out for people is to be aware of the fact that, you know, your actions probably are the result of this other unresolved issue. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you start to to kind of look at that, um, it, it can help you to, you know, but as a consequence, deal with the symptom because you know the, the the money issue is the symptom really i think mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. these um un- underlying challenges now look i'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist or anything so i'm not qualified to give <laughs> you know that kind of a perspective but I, I really believe that that is what happens with a lot of us and certainly what is what was happening with me and you know as an example the more you know when i started to realize that my family are going to love me anyway Mm-hmm. even if I tell them no I can't lend you no money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right I mean it was like it was, it was it was liberating it was liberating because again you know one of the one of the features of being a, a you know at the time single um, man who's who's working and, and earning decent money is people think you don't have anything else to do with your money so mm-hmm. you were like the, you were the ATM and mm-hmm. this feeling of well if I don't do it am I really being a good brother friend son whatever right Mm -hmm. and um that's a little bit unfair it's it's a little bit unfair to feel like you have to buy people's 
acceptance. Yeah. You, know? you could still tell them no and still expect them to love you because that's how, yeah. it should, that's how it ought to be, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying be mean to your family because if you can help, why not? But hurting yourself to help other people, that is what I was doing for years and years and years. Yeah. 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 Did you, so, with how you felt about money, your attitude towards it, and also when you said you were in quite a lot of debt, yeah. Um, did you have like an epiphany or was this, did you gradually realize that things needed to change? How did that all come about? Yeah, I, I don't think I had an epiphany necessarily, but I, I did have a very strong sense that, you know, you could be doing better than this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, think, I, I think what really happened with me was I changed jobs at the time. And I had this thing in my mind that a lot of people have in their minds. Is if I make more money, things will be better. Mm-hmm. and guess what yeah. I made more money yeah. and things were worse and I yeah. started to realize it's not the money it's not the money it's me you know mm-hmm. I, could, I could be making 10 times what I'm making now and I would find some way to mess this up yeah. so what, yeah. what is it that, that is going on in your brain that causes you to feel like you need to just not have any money in your bank account you know mm-hmm. and, and it, was, it was literally that thing that I would say to myself like hey so why can you not keep any money in your bank account you know like mm-hmm. what what kind of spell is, is over you where you feel like you need to be spending, you need to be giving people your money? Mm-hmm. Do you not feel like you deserve it? And that was, I mean, if, if there was any epiphany, it probably was me asking myself that question. Do you not feel like you deserve to, 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 to hold on to and build your own money? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which, was, which was a powerful thing to ask myself because it's, it's a scary thought. We all walk around thinking that we have all this confidence and that we look after ourselves and that we're great to ourselves. But when we're honest about it, I think our actions perhaps demonstrate something different. And that's what I realized that even though I was saying, yeah, you know, life is good. I'm great. I'm this confident person. I have this job and everything is cool. I was showing that I didn't value my own peace of mind, my own happiness and my own future Mm -hmm. um, as a priority. I I was, I was prioritizing other people. Mm -hmm. I actually think that you've made you've like um, made like a really important point, kind of like in the community of like maybe like the black community rather than just uh, black queer. Kind of the idea of like if you get get a good job or if you get to a position that you are like relatively successful, that you always feel as if you have to provide for your family or like provide yeah. for other people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that is like um, the whole idea of that is like so entrenched in like our culture and like in um, in our communities and our families that it does kind of like it does or it can really quickly like lead to like sort of like a never ending spiral of you trying yeah. to provide for other people but then not having enough for yourself. Yeah, absolutely, I agree, and I don't think it's a bad thing that our community, the black community you know have that that we want to look after each other that that there is this feeling that if you if you're doing better remember where you came from i don't mm-hmm. think there's anything wrong with that mm-hmm. but I, what i do think is is detrimental is where you are in debt because of it where yeah. you are yeah. you know you know what i mean I, that, yeah. that's why mm-hmm. it's it becomes problematic it's it's almost to use the analogy of um, when you're on a plane and, and they say, you know, if, 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 we, if we have trouble, put your, put your oxygen on first. Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That to me is, is, a, is a super powerful analogy because that's how it really ought to be. Take care of yourself first. Yeah. Um, or the other thing is, you know, you cannot fill other people's cup if your cup is empty. Definitely. 
you know? Well, like that one. I've not heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. That's, that's kind of biblical right there. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds biblical, yeah. <laughs> that does seem like straight from the pulpit, doesn't it? Yeah, it exactly. Does, yeah. <laughs> straight from the Old Testament or something, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's what we do. So, sorry, go ahead. I was going to just say that I think that um, that idea of kind of like making sure that like you that um, you you have been filled before you can get, like give out to other people, yeah, really applicable to kind of like so many areas of your life, your physical health, your mental health, and your financial yeah. health. Yeah, but I think like now, for instance, like in the ne- in the last few years, we kind of us as like a society are kind of getting uh, the idea is in like you have to really look after your own mental health before you go and support others. Yeah. And I think the same is true of um, of your of like finances and money and wealth and like kind of like of you need to make sure that yourself and your own home is provided for before yeah. you do that because obviously it's not going to be sustainable any other way. Yeah, it will end up impacting you in a worse way. Exactly. You and you are you're right. But and the other thing that is related to that 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 really occurred to me is in taking responsibility for yourself and showing other people that it's possible to do it and that, and that you have control over your destiny, as it were, mm-hmm. it, it sends a strong message to everybody around you that they too are empowered. And that really is where this whole idea of creating good fortune comes from because everybody talks about good luck, yeah? Mm-hmm you know, you wish people good luck in every single endeavor mm-hmm. and it's well-meaning, but the thing about good luck is it relies on something external. It relies on, you know, the gods or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> a four leaf clover or something outside of yourself to give you your, whatever it is that you're looking for. And I think the big, big shift in my mind was realizing that Every single one of us has the ability to create whatever it is that we want. Mm-hmm. Somebody said to me the other day, and it's so true. If you look around everything in your house, everything in your house before it arrived, there was an idea. Mm-hmm. But your action brought that thing into being, into your physical life. Mm-hmm. So why should that be any different to anything else you want in your life? If you want abundance, why shouldn't you be able to get it? That's what human beings do. We are able to take, we are the only animal, as far as I'm aware, who has the presence of mind to take our ideas, our dreams or whatever, which is Mm -hmm. intangible and make it tangible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what makes us special. I mean, otherwise, how are we able to get into a cylinder powered by jet engines and fly from one part of the world to the next? I mean, it's it's ridiculous when you think about it, but some human being thought about that and made it happen. And that's what creating good fortune is all about. If you can see your life being something bigger, better, whatever than what it is today, you have the capacity to do it. So giving somebody money and saying, here, look after yourself, maybe that helps them today, but it doesn't empower them to not wait on luck or not mm-hmm. wait on somebody to give them something, but rather to create, to create it for themselves. Mm-hmm. I also think that, um, I'm not sure about you, Kieran, but like one thing with me, and I think actually, um, I know like I've got like cousins and other family members who talk about it, that like one thing that we really not talk about very well is like money, money management and it's like effective, like effective financial manage- management yeah. idea kind of like you have a certain amount of money 
and that is what you're gonna have you're gonna have to use to live off to invest in to kind of make it go further. Yeah. Really, like that doesn't yeah, I don't think I I that definitely not mm. with me. Yeah, in my house growing up, um we well, the fact of the matter is we never had that much money, we always just about survived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I link that to maybe why I'm such a spendthrift now. I think <laughs> before KSC was saying that you would spend money um to uh, helping other people and there's a sense of maybe you, you thought you didn't deserve to keep it or something for me i think because i used to because i was used to having so little it felt strange to have a surplus whereas right. whereas in my head i got to this point where if there's extra there then rather than save i'd think oh do something with it there's like a compulsion to spend it yeah but i definitely know growing up we it, it was just never discussed really money management and so it's the kind of thing we've had to go out and fend for myself, fend for ourselves, me and um, my siblings. Yeah, um, yeah. That's some really powerful stuff you just said. Um, this idea of not knowing what to do with surplus. Mm. You know, that's like that's that's incredible because I think it happens to so many people. Like, I have this extra money. What am I gonna do with it? Let me go spend it. You know, it's just like, yeah. an, it's, yeah. like it's a natural Rinse compulsion. Repeat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's back to what you're saying, Ainsley. That because we, uh, we typically don't grow up having these conversations about what to do with extra money, then we're left to our own devices. And unfortunately, society is telling us to consume. I mean, that's, that's it. You know, you, you jump on social media, you watch your TV, you step outside your door, you're being told to buy something. Mm-hmm. The things we're being told to buy are consumable goods. They don't, they're, not, they're not things that last and mm-hmm. things that bring us future happiness future future wealth right um mm-hmm. i think what happens in many communities um other communities is these conversations about money are being had around the dinner table and being had on a regular basis so it, it normalizes the conversation mm-hmm. what i find really confusing a lot of times is you know my parents my grandparents were people who i think had good intentions when it came to money they were hardworking people, mm-hmm. you know, you know, back to talking about our community. I think people of, of, you know, Caribbean and, and African uh, descent are typically hardworking people and they, they want to look after their families. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe in going out and earning an honest living. Um, but many times that's kind of where it ends and, and taking that a step further into, okay, now that we're not just having to think about surviving, what's the next thing for us to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, what's, what's the next logical step for us to do with our money so that we don't have to think about struggling forever mm-hmm. and ever and ever. One of the big conversations that I'm really interested in is this one of generational wealth. And I don't know if you guys have had any talks about it before or any thoughts about it, but it's something that I think has been really, really missing in the black community globally and i say black community which is a very big term because that means <clears throat> different things to different people but um you know for, for all kinds of reasons that we probably can't get into on this podcast black people typically have not been able to pass wealth from one generation to the next mm-hmm. so you guys you know you probably went to school with with, with people who had parents grandparents who's, who who could say to them you know when you finish uni here's 30 grand to go buy a flat you know mm-hmm. um or, or to go get married, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That yeah. don't happen to black people generally, you know. Now, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> that's not something that's a part of our experience, broadly speaking. And it's because 
we are not investing, bottom line. We're, we're not taking our income and putting it into things that can last beyond us, that we can pass on to the next generation and the next and the next and the next. Because let's say somebody, you know, you know, manages their money, they buy a house and they're looking after that house and they raise their family, um, but they don't put things in place to protect that asset. When they pass, you know, now the whole family is fighting over who's going to get this, who's going to get the house, who's going to get that dinner table, mm-hmm. who's going to, you know, and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. wealth has now stopped. Yeah. Because, yes. You know, everybody's fighting over it. There's been no plan as to how to pass it on from generation to generation. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, 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 it really, really goes deep and it goes beyond just us living in the here and now. And, and, and again, bringing it back to gay men, you know, if we ain't thinking about, if we're not thinking we can have families, who are we passing this money on to? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? This whole idea yeah. of generational wealth for us doesn't even seem to apply or occur because you know, for, for a long time, we couldn't even get married. The whole idea of being with somebody was just like, what? Like, how am I even going to consider that, right? So yeah. um, that's why I think we're starting from really, really baseline because things are now starting to occur to us that, you know, you can have long-term relationships. You can have families. You can build wealth for those families. You know what I mean? And it, it just starts to really change the conversation and the way we approach, um, approach our money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the whole generational wealth um, yeah. as a concept was not a thing for me until like I was in my twenties, basically. Okay. I'd never. How heard, did you? Yeah, I'd never heard of it yeah. until like I think I I might have watched something or read something about it. But then you do come like you do hear about it, you do come across it, but you don't hear it in those terms. And yeah. I think we all know like friends who have like their parents who can afford to give them money for one thing or another. Yeah. Oh, we know people you have that they know that like whatever happens, they have like that financial security. I think called like it's a bit different for us. Like um if you are like say Kieran and I, um we are the children or the grandchildren of like um of immigrants, of like people who've come from another country to one country to another and yeah. they've kind of had to like work their way from the ground up. Yeah, so I think it, like I don't think that was everyone anybody's mind, like my parents, my grandparents' minds before to like kind of like organize things in a way that will um, will reap more rewards. Kind of like after they're gone, it's always kind of like that getting from like one day to the next. So maybe, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. Mind, isn't it? Absolutely. Short term goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. So you in survival mode? You know, you come to this country in the in the fifties and sixties when the Windrush generation came. You know, like number one, you got to deal with this the cold and the just yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> um, you know the racism, this feeling marginalized. You know, the last thing you're thinking about is investing your money. Like, what does that even mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, now we're decades uh, removed from that. And, and things have improved somewhat from what I gather, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not, not, not where it needs to be. We now have a little bit more space to think about these things, but also to figure out how to access them. And a big part of my platform and what I'm trying to share with people is that you don't have to be earning hundreds of thousands a year, uh, of pounds a year mm-hmm. to start thinking about and taking care of your finances and accumulating wealth gradually over time. Yeah. To me, one of the biggest tragedies of, of the way the whole financial system works is people don't take advantage of the time they have in front of them. So what I mean by that is 
if an 18-year-old gets their first job out of school, they don't even go to uni, for example, let's say, and they just start working, and they start putting that money, they start putting some money aside every month in an investment. Let's say they put aside 200 pounds, and they do that for 40 years, yeah? So mm-hmm. they're 58. They, and, and, and they're earning a 7% interest. They would have accumulated over, if I get my, my math right, 300,000 pounds of just wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. putting a, a few hundred pounds into an investment a month. So it's not people who are making all this money who can do this. It's mm-hmm. everyday people, you know, working everyday jobs who just understand the power of time and the power of the financial system and being able to take care of it. But many of us don't even have, you know, the, the, the building blocks to, to start doing this stuff and realizing that it is possible for the everyday man and woman to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was like starting out, let's say if I came to you and I was like, uh, okay, it's like I'm just working like a normal job, yeah. have a few debts, but they only paid off. And I want to kind of work out like a way that I can kind of like accumulate more wealth or like make sure that my money is working for me. So yeah. like, with the first thing that you say to them, like, how would you guide them through that? Yeah. First thing I would say to them is, your biggest wealth building tool is your income. Mm-hmm. You don't think you don't need to try to find an extra side hustle or, you know, <laughs> extra money to try to do this. Yeah. Your, your existing income is where you need to start. And the way to find money to begin investing with is to take control over your spending. Most of us are spending more than we need to. Mm-hmm. And if we can figure out where we have that additional fat in our budget, that's where we can start to redirect some of our expenditure away from the stuff that makes us feel good today into the stuff that will be that will look after us later on in life and start kind of building up that nest egg. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first thing I would say is to is to start to look at how you spend. The second thing I would say is to start getting educated about it. Financial literacy and financial education, as you mentioned before, is not taught um, as, 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 as often and as widespread as it ought to be. Um, it shouldn't just be the schools that are depended upon and relied upon to teach this stuff that should be happening in households. Um, but, you know, if, if that cycle never gets broken, then, yeah, then it never gets broken. It never ends. So it starts with each of us to really you know, start to understand some of the fundamentals of personal finance. And these aren't, you know, you know super complicated things. It's, it's around saving, it's around budgeting, understanding interest rates, understanding why credit cards can be a bad thing and also can be a positive thing if you're used well. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding the positives of home ownership, um, you know, why certain types of, of debt <laughs> should be avoided like the plague. Mm-hmm. You know, these kind of like fundamental mm-hmm. things is, is where I think people should start because these are the day-to-day decisions that we have to make mm-hmm. uh, about what to do with our money. You know, so if, if you're somebody who knows that a 30% interest rate on a payday loan is, 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 is not great, mm-hmm. and also if you're paying the minimum, you're never going to pay that off mm-hmm. as long yeah. as you live, mm-hmm. you won't make that decision, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but many of us aren't armed with that information to be able to make those types of day-to-day decisions. Yeah. 
That's interesting. I feel like I should have brought like some pen and paper with me. To I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing you're recording this. Yeah, you know, and, and that's, that's what I do um, when I post articles on my blog. That's what my courses are all about is giving people these fundamentals because a lot of people think that you have to have this vast knowledge and be super mathematical and all this stuff in order to be good with your money and mm-hmm. like i said before you know our grandparents and parents they you know they knew the fundamentals of mm-hmm. number one you have to have an income <laughs> you know that's yeah. just mm-hmm. point. Yeah. you have to be earning some money um number two having an awareness of how you spend you know um shopping at value grocery stores and and and, and not being extravagant when, you, when, when it's not called for you know those types of things are things that our ancestors taught us um but, you know, in many different ways, we uh, go off in different directions that cause us to, to not really benefit from, from the power that we have, and that is our income. Mm-hmm. How, can, can I ask a more specific question? How would you tackle, um, if you're in debt, yeah. um, obviously you need to prioritize clearing the debt, but you might also want to, you know, get some assets built up just to have some savings for a rainy day. Yeah. Um, do you believe in clearing debt first, or do you think you should try and, clear debt and save at the same time what would you suggest in that case oh gosh this is a good question it comes up all the time this uh, dilemma i think that it starts with laying out your debt and understanding what the interest rates are so mm-hmm. the reason i say that is because if you have debt with very very high interest rates then to me you are better off tackling that debt as soon as you can mm-hmm. than worrying about building up a huge savings pot. I mm. would say that having an emergency savings fund is important for everybody to have, especially right now in this time mm. that we find ourselves in. I would certainly prioritize saving over paying down debt. But under normal circumstances, you know, if, if coronavirus wasn't happening, we weren't in, in this pandemic situation, I would say get rid of your debt as fast as possible because what, what debt, especially debt that has, that has high interest rates does, it eats away at your income. And remember I said that your, your most powerful wealth building tool, tool is your income. Mm-hmm. If you have high interest rate debt, it will eat away at your income for the rest of your life. And you don't want that to happen. You want to get rid of those high interest rates um, as soon as possible. So it could be, let's say you have three loans. One of them has, has you know, a 25% interest rate. One of them is 10% and the other one is, is 3%. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't prioritize the, the, the three and 10%, but you want to really look at that one that's 20 something percent, get mm-hmm. rid of that mm-hmm. as much as possible um, while trying to put some money aside. Nice. Interesting. So, Caius, I've kind of wanted to ask, um, obviously you say that you're from the Bahamas yeah, and you're a queer person. Obviously, we've gone up as two like, black queer men in the UK. I wanted to like, get like, an insight into like, what that would be like, kind of like, in, like being in the Bahamas. Yeah. That's actually a, a place that's like, on my destination list, but somewhere far in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should definitely go, man. The Caribbean is beautiful and the Bahamas is beautiful. I would say that 
for everybody growing up in a place probably always seems a lot worse than it actually was, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, because it's home and you're, you're living there. You see the, the things that people don't see when they come on holiday. Mm-hmm. So people would say to me, like, how could the Bahamas be a difficult place to live? It's paradise, you know? Um, and don't get me wrong. It, it really is a, it's a, it's a nice place. And it's generally speaking chilled out, but it is a traditional country in the sense that, uh, Christianity is 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 the primary religion of most people. Um, there are churches everywhere, <laughs> as probably most other countries in the Caribbean as well. And people are guided by what they believe is religious doctrine around mm-hmm. uh, around sexual identity, and don't really have a lot of space for anything else. Um, I would say the Bahamas is probably a moderately conservative country in that regard. I mean, you won't get stoned or, you know, you won't be physically harassed necessarily mm-hmm. um, if you were presenting as queer. But living there, it, it's not generally done to have, uh, you know, an out relationship, so to speak. You're not turning up at events with your partner. Mm-hmm. You're not being um, physically affectionate in public, um, mm-hmm. certainly not trying to get married because it's not legal. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, the, the things that perhaps are more uh, easily allowed in a place like the UK and, and other parts of the world mm-hmm. um, in the Bahamas just, just, just aren't done. And like I said, it's not like you would be physically harassed or marginalized, but you, you, feel, you feel the difference. You would endure comments from people, including your family, Mm-hmm. that uh you know sound ambiguous but you know it's directed towards you um and uh, you know a lot of people accept that and i understand it but for me i just i i really couldn't i couldn't tolerate it as some, someone who wanted to be a lot more true to who i knew i was mm-hmm. you know I, I i couldn't accept that oh that's just how people are and you know I'll just move on. I'll live my life privately and, and, you know, I'll just stay out of their way if they stay out of mine kind of thing. You know, I, I know lots of people have to live that way and I, and I don't want to come across judgmental because that's not what it is. But for me, I just, I didn't want that to be my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, uh, were you an out gay man when you were in the Bahamas or were you discreet or um, how would you describe it? I would say I was probably had one foot out the door, (laughs) (laughs) out the closet door, I guess. Um, My, my, my parents, my family knew um, because I told them uh, a number of my friends knew, but um, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't out at work uh, at all. I wasn't, um, yeah, I wasn't sort of going out with, with my partner and and being seen um, in a way that would suggest that we were together. So to speak. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess somewhat discreet, as you said. But, but, but also, you know, if, if somebody was so bold as to ask me, I probably would. I probably would tell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, us being in the UK, well, me specifically being in the UK, um, I'm half Jamaican. So yeah, mom's side of the family is from Jamaica, dad's side of the family is from Saint Kitts and Nevis, and I think there was like. Um, quite an emphasis on like of the anti-homosexual teaching both like yeah. in the church setting and in like the home cultural setting and yeah. I remember growing up that like um, when I was hearing 
like hearing about life in kind of like in Jamaica specifically, um, that it'd just be like a, like a much harder place to live mm. as a queer person if you were there. So it being like, for me anyway, it was hard enough to accept myself as being a queer person yeah. in the environment I was in. So me thinking about it back in the Caribbean made it seem like it would be almost impossible, kind of. Like, it would be, like, really, like, I, I could never imagine being, like, an out gay man in, kind of, like, Kingston, Jamaica, for instance. Mm. Or in um, Basseterre, St. Kitts, where, where my, um, my grandparents on my dad's side are, dad's side are from. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a lot. I've never been to Jamaica. Um... But again, I'm, I'm trying to be careful as well about what I, what I internalize as, mm-hmm. as an outsider. Yeah. Because you'll hear, you'll hear people living in Jamaica, and you guys may have heard this as well, saying that, you know, there's gay clubs, they go out, they have relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are, they are living. It's not, it's not um, you know, like other parts of the world where you, you, you could be, um, you know, you could be killed. For being mm. gay, but but you're probably right. You know, being out as a gay man in Jamaica, Kingston, Jamaica, probably isn't an option. <laughs> yeah, for most, most people. So um, yeah, I think it's really down to how you kind of approach life, and and if you kind of go in thinking, look, people are going to hate me and discriminate against me, then that's probably what's going to happen. That's probably going to be your experience. Um, but yeah, the freedoms that that we enjoy in the UK, yeah, probably not um, not as uh, as available in, in places like the Bahamas and, and Jamaica. But other countries, I think, are a lot more open. Like Barbados, I went to last year. It seemed a lot more open. People don't really seem to care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems like you can, you can be uh, as free as you want to be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm careful about, about sort of stereotyping every black country in that way. Because I, I think yeah. we do have capacity to come around to this. But... Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a gradual process, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I think I'm actually really happy to hear, like, obviously not that it's a conservative country and you have to, like, have to hide parts of yourself. You shouldn't have to do that. But I yeah. do think that there is, like, a prevailing narrative that, like, um, Caribbean countries, African countries, ones with, like, a high population of black people will be ones mm. where, like, it's, like, almost impossible to be queer or to uh, live a life. Um, comfortably or peaceably, peacefully in that in those spaces. So I'm glad to kind of see a bit of that challenged. But yeah, I think it's too easy for us to just think of it as like just a like horribly oppressive place, and that might not always yeah. be someone's um, someone's um, perspective just because they've come from come from the Bahamas or come from Barbados, come from any country in the Caribbean. Yeah. So, yeah. No, for sure, man. You know, and, and <laughs> I, I have a lot, lot of friends back home who are, um, you know, doing pretty well, doing pretty well in their jobs and, 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 and earning good money and all this type of stuff. And that's, you know, bringing it back to, to money. That's where they find themselves being the, the caretaker, right? You know, yeah. everybody knows or suspects mm. that they're gay um, or queer or whatever you want to call it. Um, but you know they're, they're, they're doing so well in life that you want to keep this person in your life so that <laughs> you, know what I, you know what I mean so it's, it's, it's kind of that um, dynamic that's going on whereby you know people really can't be too nasty to you because you know you, you're the one who could probably lend them uh, yeah if, <laughs> if they, you know if what need it. it's so interesting you say that because like when I was like uh, basically in the closet and living my life in the closet 
and like yeah. discussing like coming out or my reluctance to I always yeah. said to my friend that like I'll come out when I'm a millionaire because... <laughs> <laughs> so you got something to offer like a sort of safety yeah, clutch so or something yeah it's a pretty messed up way to think but I thought like I'll tell my parents I'm gay but I've got this like here's this money that I can give to you and I can support you with so like you can accept that I'm a queer person as long as I'm providing for you which in hindsight, probably is not a great way to think about it. It's not at all. And I haven't done that in, um, in reality, but I guess it goes back to what you were thinking about, kind of like putting yourself worse and that kind of like having an yeah. impact on what you think about, mm. like your, your status and your finances, and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Why should, you, you know, why should anybody have to be a millionaire for their parents to accept that they're gay? Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's... it's, it's, it's um, it's not a great way of thinking, but I know why so many of us think that way. Cause you sort of feel like, well, I, I at least I have one redeeming quality in their eyes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm earning money. I'm, I'm, I'm the reliable one in the family and everybody else is messing up and you know, it's you crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like you see yourself, as well. it's like you see yourself as defective and, but yeah. you want to sort of promote, Oh, but here's my other selling points. You know, I am still of value to you. It's, yeah. it's mad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and straight people don't have to do that. They don't have to prove themselves. They just show up as who they are, except, you know, take them or leave them, right? They yeah. don't have to say, well, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible um, uh, brother, dad, person at work or whatever. Um, but here's this other great thing about me. They don't do that. Um, but no, we have to, mm. we have to be uh, great providers for the people around us do well at work and school yeah you know look good every time you step out the house mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> dance well yeah. uh, <laughs> you know like, we have to live but not be too, like not be too feminine either we'll have to be yeah still have to be mm. a man mm. still have to be masculine presenting it is a lot it's like yeah. it's a, um what it's like an overcompensation yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a good word. Overcompensation yeah. for sure. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question actually? The, you know, Kieran, I don't know whether you've participated in any of the, uh, the blackout kind of brunches or any of those events. Um, but Ainsley, obviously. Uh, uh, I went to uh, just the one. Uh, so that was, when was it sort of late December? So between Christmas and New Year's, uh, me oh, okay. and Ainsley went to one. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I missed that one. Um, yes. Yeah, but it's not. No, I mean, uh, the. I was ask something about it, but um, I was, I was, I was. I, I'm just curious, not necessarily about those events, but just interested in what what you guys think is available to you know people like yourselves. Um, that's not just kind of like going out, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what kind mm-hmm. of things would be helpful and beneficial? Because when I when I did the talk at the brunch it seemed like a lot of people were interested, but it also seemed like they'd never heard anything like that before. And I just wondered whether that means that are people interested in this type of thing? Would it be something that they want to learn more about and, and take forward? You know, more and more I do this, I'm hearing from people that, that they have an interest. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious about, you know, your, you know, if I can say your generation and mm-hmm. <laughs> people, people within your circle of friends, you know, are they, are they thinking about these types of things or are there other things that are more important on their minds um, um yeah. when i think of specifically my black friends um i guess it's not something that's come up too often i don't think um with the blackout event it was interesting because i was talking to Andy about this recently but there were people there 
and there were topics that were discussed that I just wouldn't have been aware of. Um, I'm a bit out of the loop sometimes, sometimes culturally, because I live, you know, in the northeast, I guess. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of times, the best things to go to are going to be based in London. Um, but going there, it was some sort of eyes were kind of opened, and I, speaking personally, things that you sort of advocate for, um, I'm hundred percent interested in, but I wouldn't necessarily know that they were about. And but I would, if I was aware of them, I'd, I'd actively go out and seek them definitely. So I would, I can't, I can't speak for everybody, but I would assume a lot of people maybe just aren't aware of what is out there and what's available to them. But it's, you know, everyone's interested in money, definitely. And I think even people who've never really considered money, they would have to stop and think about if they're being wasteful in their spending habits, if they were confronted with that idea, I think, as well. Mm. Okay. So um, I think it's, uh, well, I, I imagine most people would be interested in, you know, what you have to say in your message, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's like, like I said before, it's also trying to just tailor the message and the information to what is relevant to people, right? Because like I said mm-hmm. earlier, I, I came into that session think, thinking, here's what these guys are going to be interested in. But um, that might not have been the case. There may have been other angles to it that, that people are more curious about. So. Uh, so I'm running this uh, masterclass at the moment about investing, and I've come to realize that lots of people are, are curious about investing, right? Mm-hmm. So not just budgeting and saving and some of these other topics, they want to know, how do I make more of the money that I'm, that I'm earning every single month, right? I, I don't yeah. want to spend it. I don't want to just put it in a savings account, which is earning, you know, 0.01%. Mm-hmm. I want to um, make have a greater impact from from this income so things like that is is what these types of conversations are helping me to fine-tune how i should be approaching this and what yeah. people are interested in yeah i think the other thing as well is age you know i mean the, the younger you are i think the less and i say this respectfully the less the, the less urgency you have about this type of stuff because you just mm-hmm. think you know i got 50, 50 working years <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, def- definitely. Yeah. So, you know, why am I thinking about this now? In my early 20s, this is the last thing on my mind. Like, yeah, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just turning up, right? Turning up, going out, like having a good time. And that's yeah. as, as it should be. Yeah. 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 Um, one thing I would say, obviously, for being at the event that you spoke at, I yeah. think for sure there definitely is a demand for it. So, um, we had two um, like two financial workshops, one at one in December and one that we had with you when you spoke with us. There yeah. definitely is a demand for it. Like us, I think anyone, especially us as like black people, black queer people, we do want to. I specifically do want to learn about investing and learning how to like take what I've got already and make it more plentiful. And I think, yeah. um, and like, like I said, one of the reasons why I was so um, interested to speak to you was because when you did, when you did um, come and led that workshop and you did speak to us, you were one, very engaging, like I mentioned before, but two, you were hitting on points that kind of like spoke from experience that we would have. Yeah. And kind of like, it's kind of, kind of draws you out. So it's like, you like despite <laughs> parts, of my, yeah, parts of my own behavior and my own attitude <laughs> that I don't think would have quite happened had it been somebody else. So for blackout, for like the for instance, black uh, black men who brunch event, I think that is just so important for us just to, if nothing else, to have people like us just be around each other in the same place yeah. and be able to share things, share knowledge, and share wisdom, and just like even just socialize with people around us, which yeah. we've never really had a chance to do before. And in your specific case, kind of like 
help us get these skills quite in like once like improve our own lives so then we can turn like help our own community around us yeah like, what more could you want for, what, more, what more could you want us from that exactly exactly yeah. you, said, you said it really well you know we have so much to offer as a community and i think cultivating and growing um the bonds between people mm-hmm. allows everybody to feel a lot more comfortable saying you know here's what i need help with mm-hmm but also here's what I'm good at yeah. uh, mm. and really just drawing on people's strengths to, to build up the larger community. Because as you said, the, the better each of us does, the more we can share with others and, and, and open their eyes to possibilities. And it just, it just builds strength in the, in, in the, in the overall community. People talk about black empowerment, but um, it, it's all about that. You know, it's all about each individual, each household, Mm-hmm. Um, each small group finding ways to better themselves and to to, to just establish mm-hmm. some strength. Yeah, and actually putting like actual like practical, tangible things to like to empower ourselves and to power also black people, also the queer people. Yeah. Um, whenever we hear like whenever we um, Kim and I always talk about it, they hear the term empowerment. It's mm. always, always like mm. just a hashtag on on Instagram or just something on Twitter. Or something or like um, yeah. there'll be a poll to kind of like say like black boy joy black black girl magic which of course is great that's the name of our show but yeah also we want to like real world application real term like how can we actually go from here one stage like just in real just in um small term like being black boy joy with two like the two listeners to having like a thousand listeners so it's all yeah <laughs> <laughs> But um, stuff like that, I think, is just like, really important and needs like much more emphasis. And also, one sorry, I'm going on. Yeah. I think it's actually really great for us, especially me as like a uh, relatively young, almost in my thirties, like um, black queer man, just to see like other <laughs> black gay men, black queer men, just thriving, just living their lives, just um, earning, having yeah. something to say. Because honestly, I could not. I, before I moved to London, especially, I could not name one. I didn't know a single person um, in my circle on television who was like that. So even just for that, just for that in itself, I think uh, it's just wonderful. And we've spoken, Kieran mm. and I, to like a lot of people, to yourself, to Reverend Jade McCauley, who was there as well. Yeah, um, I'm never going to stop going on about it. There's uh, Rob and um, and Mark who put on uh, who put these events on, and it is like it's like a revelation for me because. You, you don't really see, you don't really see us actually like living and being happy and doing the things that we need to do. So it is important, I think. Yeah. Yes. Completely agree with you, man. It's all about visibility. And um, yeah, I think it's just instilling that sense of pride in people mm-hmm. that, you know, you don't, you don't have to feel lesser than, you don't have to feel defective to use your work here and um, about being who you are. Cause you know, as the name of this podcast is, there's so much joy um, <laughs> in having in having the unique intersection of 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 these identities, it's just so much joy. And you, just, you think about all the things that queer black men have have unleashed on the world that um, wouldn't otherwise be there if we if we mm-hmm. didn't exist. You mm-hmm. know, so um, there's every reason to be joyful and proud of of, of being who you are and, and and speaking about it openly because it helps other people come to terms with their identity and to feel good about themselves, for sure. 
Really? And then if you feel good about yourself, then you look after your money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yes. And it becomes a positive <laughs> cycle. It's not a vicious cycle of feeling terrible and then, you know, going into overdraft and, and, and then that, it just becomes this whole thing, right? And nothing, mm. there's nothing wrong going into overdraft. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody because sometimes you have to do that. But, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. It comes, it comes to the point you have to break out of habits and <laughs> yeah. look to build up your resources and wealth. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, 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 for sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I would just say that I am I'm available through my blog, creatinggoodfortune.com. I'm on Instagram and I'm just interested in, in, in building up a community of people, like-minded people mm-hmm. who are convinced that they can have a better existence, a better life. If you're looking after their finances, they want financial education. They're not looking for a way to get rich quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they to improve their understanding of, of how all these things work. And, uh, you know, looking for somebody who they can trust and mm-hmm. who kind of speaks their language. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just I want to get that message out there that, um, that, that I'm here as a resource for people. Um, and I would just encourage people to... Um, to really think positively about money, think positively about themselves, and to just to understand that abundance is available for everybody because that's, it's almost um, a law of nature. You know, when you look at the planet that we're on and the universe that we live in, mm-hmm. that um, you know, the one thing that is true is abundance. You know, there's, there's no limit to the number of grains of sand on a beach. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? Like the, the, mm. the world just kind of has this way of creating more and more and more. And that's what we're all a part of. We are a part of that abundance. And so I want people to really take that on board and, and know that it is available to them. Mm-hmm. Nice. Right. Excellent. So um, before we go, do you want to, um, you've mentioned your websites and your socials. Yep. Do you want to shout them out? So, um, so people can, uh, people can access them. Obviously, there'll be um, there'll be links on the show. Yep. Yeah. So it's creatinggoodfortune.com. That is the blog um, website that's being updated. But at the moment, you'll find great articles on there. Hopefully, great. And I want people to go on there and read them and comment. Let me know what you think. Um, <laughs> I'm on Instagram and I, I post every so often as well, and I can be reached there and also on Facebook. So yeah, everything is the same name. Creating Good Fortune. Uh, dot com or IG or Facebook or whatever. So yeah. All right. Perfect. Um, thank you very much for um, agreeing to come on the show. Uh, yeah. The thank you very much. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you. Uh, I think you like every bit of engaging as we'd hoped you'd be. <laughs> oh, <Yes>. good. <laughs> That's good. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to hear that. I know it's tricky because you're used to doing this in person with people. So those typical nonverbal cues, it's harder to pick up on them, I guess, um, when it's like this. But um, it's been good. And you guys, you know, you, you're really doing something positive. I'm, I'm glad to see that you're doing it. I know a lot of people will be impacted by your presence and by your effort um, in doing this. And I just hope it continues to grow and grow and grow because there's a lot of people who need to hear your voices, whether they are black boys or not. Yeah. <laughs> they need to know that. <laughs> Yeah, and we have good things to say, you know, we have good things to say and, and um, a lot of positive things to offer to the world. So thank you for having me on. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Oh, our pleasure as well.
So, um, that's, that's um, another episode finished. Thank you so much to KS for um, taking the time out to speak with us. Um, you can catch our podcast on all good channels. That's uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we always ask for a glowing review on Apple Podcasts if you subscribe there. Um, follow us on Instagram at BlackBoyJoyPodcast or on Twitter at BlackBoyJoyPod. And um, any questions or queries, any shade you want to follow us, you can send that to blackboyjoypodcast at gmail.com. But um, if there's anything, nothing else that anyone else can say, Kieran? Uh, no, that's everything. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. And once again, thanks for KS for coming to speak to us today. Yes, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. <laughs>